This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the Manley Warthog Man Cave. The piney woods of north central Florida on a nippy morning, by golly, here in God's country. In the Melton Law Studio, Melton Law is the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators, full-service law firm, and they've been in business 50 years. Crime uh, Prevention protects us 24-7, 365, with Randy Elrad and John Pastore, and all of our great sponsors and donators help us keep it going to bring you a great show. Uh, we've got a very popular guest today who likes to remain incognito. And um, if you did all the investigating, instigating he did, well, you probably want to remain incognito too, you know, but nevertheless, he's uh, not really incognito because that's the only way he'll talk with you, but he prefers that way. He's on the move a lot and he's conversing with us by phone, but it's going to be a thorough packed hour of all sorts of information that we're going to share with you as we do at certain intervals about what we've been doing with the Ward Scott Files, because a lot of it is behind the scenes. A lot of it takes a long time to kind of validate and uh, decide whether or not the timing is right for it and whether or not, um, um, you know, it's still a story that's going on. The one we're starting the one we're starting with today, I think production just told me that, Mark is on the line. The one we're starting with today is the one, geez, I mean, time flies when you're having fun. We started two or three years ago when Mark just sort of routinely in doing this sort of uh, work he does, checks this uh, potted plant, checks that potted plant, so to speak, make sure they got water. Um, it's a routine. He ran across something unusual in the Alachua County Jail. The sheriff at that time was Sadie Darnell, uh, supervisor of elections. It's the same lady, Kim Barton. And there was a man named T.J. Pichet, whose name surfaced. That drew a little bit of attention. And so we began to yank on the ball of yarn, if you will, to see uh, where the beginning of it was. And it just got longer and longer and longer. I think Mark's going to start out with that story and then go to another story. And it's a big story. And we really started it. We made Breitbart news with it. Um, we began to ruffle some feathers, as they say. And uh, now we're coming up on another election. We really want to try to assess whether things are any better or not. I mean, come on. We don't want to go through this crap again. Mark, are you on the line, sir? picture up you can't see it i bet you can't see it but uh uh you like to talk on the phone i don't know if you heard anything i said but i was bragging about you mark 
And I was particularly yeah, I talking up on about, that. pardon me? Yeah, I was listening. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, where do you want to begin, sir? Because I'm all ears, as I'm sure our listeners well, and viewers are. I feel like, uh, you know, with the um, 10th conviction on the uh, voter fraud from the jail, um, we've reached somewhat of a milestone. Uh, that chapter is coming to a close, but it certainly um, leaves the book wide open. And uh, if I could just summarize, um, as you well know, where you were there every step of the way, um, almost three years ago now, um, in February of 2021, uh, mere months after the 2020 elections, uh, we did discover that there were some anomalies uh, from the, the uh, Loucher County Jail where uh, 34 inmates who were ineligible either registered for or voted from uh, the Alachua County Jail in the 2020 general election. And of those 34, we found 18 uh, actually cast ballots. So that certainly got our attention. And with your help, we were able to uh, reach out to our State House Representative, Chuck Clemens, and arrange a meeting with the State Attorney, Brian Kramer, and his, at the time, Deputy Chief Investigator Derry Lloyd, who's now the Chief Investigator for um, Brian Kramer in the State Attorney's Office. And that particular um, information, um, those files, all that documentation, which was airtight, was uh, then um, forwarded to uh, the sheriff at the time, uh, Clovis Watson, who had just been sworn in. Uh, Sadie Darnell was sheriff at the time and running the county jail uh, during the election. And because it became a conflict of interest and somewhat of a hot potato, um, it was eventually turned over to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. And so somewhere around June uh, of 2021, FDLE got this information and took eight months to come to the conclusion that 10 of the inmates uh, had probable cause um, after David's filed on them that they had actually uh, committed a third-degree felony or third-degree felonies, whatever the case. And so from there, um, it took a while to uh, meander through the process of our uh, judicial uh, courts, which is extremely slow. And uh, finally, the uh, 10th case came to a conclusion um, a week ago today, actually. So in all 10 cases, um, the defendants, in this case, former inmates, were convicted. Um, they were found guilty either through a plea agreement or a jury trial in one case. and um, uh, they received sentences ranging from two years probation to three years in the Department of Corrections. So they, they paid a pretty heavy penalty um, for registering and or voting from the Alaska County Jail in a voter drive that was actually facilitated by our supervisor of elections, knowingly um, warned that um, there were inmates in that uh, system who were not eligible, and during the COVID outbreak sent her outreach director inside the county jail, never done before, never done since, uh, double masked with goggles um, uh, because of safety, concern, election safety concerns, yet went inside this COVID outbreak jail and um, registered ineligible inmates, and at the end of the day were held harmless. I will say that T.J. Pache did resign almost immediately after the story hit Breitbart in June of 2021. And so here we are. Um, so, you know, 10, uh, 10 prosecutions, 10 convictions, 10 sentences, and um, that particular chapter uh, has been resolved. We still have outstanding cases with sex offenders who voted for Malachua County. Uh, we have 
four of those cases, and one of those is still pending. So we have one pending case here. So that's a bit of the lay of the land. And, of course, we were um, disinformed by the supervisors of elections throughout the state telling us a year after the election in 2020 that in uh, October of 2021, the voter rolls were pristine and that only eligible Floridians were on those voter rolls. That was outright disinformation. They've been exposed um, individually and collectively. And some of the pushback we've gotten has uh, been from not only supervisors of elections, but Republican supervisors of elections who do not wish or are not willing to admit that voter fraud took place on their watch in their county. And so we are still working on that today, Keep pushing the, uh, the envelope and pushing the ball down the court. Of course, their uh, desire would be to have the statute of limitations after three years um, for degree felonies um, are, are no longer um, valid, uh, except for the, um, the, the clock starts ticking on those cases when the fraud is discovered and turned over to law enforcement. So those cases still could be brought forth. And we know um, at least 2,000 sex offenders uh, registered illegally in 2020 for, the, for that election. And of those, about 25% of them voted. All that information was turned over to the Office of Elections, Crimes, and Security. And to this day, nothing's been done on those cases. So that's pretty much where we are at the moment, Ward. Well, um, that's a mouthful. There's no question about it. And nobody could put it together as well as you have. Um, let's summarize the time again for uh, people so they understand what this has taken, because you alluded to the creaky wheels of justice and eight months for FDLE to look at what? How many cases? Eight or nine? Uh, and this, they looked at 18 cases and decided that 10 of them uh, had probable cause. So it took them how many months? months uh so they turned eight months okay so so this look look wasn't until if they had a massive number they'd never get the job done that's what's taking place now that is you're absolutely 100 percent correct they're overwhelmed that's the next lily pad we ought to leapfrog to next okay Mm -hmm. so what's going to come of this um i think i'm not going to steal your thunder by saying this is where we are more than disappointed. Let's fast track into the conversation about DeSantis was going to have these great plans, right? Where he was going to take what we did and expand it, if you will. Whatever became of that? So, so it's interesting to note that the, uh, the chief of the Office of Election Crimes and Security actually uh, died of a heart attack in September of last year right after the um, press release with the rollout of the 20 um, murderers and sex offenders who are arrested under under their um, purview. And so those cases are moving forward. Unfortunately, uh, the, that office is only um, required to file an annual report, which they did in January of this year, and they'll do it once in January of 2024. And that report, you can named individually in the Baltimore County case, also, my case is smattered throughout the over 2,000 legitimate complaints that are in there, over 100 of which are mine. And to my knowledge, to this date, uh, none of the ones that I have uh, brought to their attention, including uh, Pete Antonacci, the chief's uh, replacement, nothing has been done on those cases. In fact, there's over 20 cases in Gadsden County, over 20 cases in 
Baseball County and over 20 cases in Orange County on someone's desk, and FDLE is just is is being um, tasked with investigating those. And according to the state attorneys, they're just waiting on FDLE to come forward with those reports. Let me see if I can summarize that because your phone's going in and out a little bit, and we may have to go over to the Zoom link and do the audio. Um, what I understood, I think, what I understood you to say was that the Santa's dropped the ball. But it's complicated by the fact that the person he had in charge of it died of a heart attack. The obvious question is, why wasn't that person replaced and the ball picked up again and it's pursued? Um, We don't really have an answer to that, do we? Well, he was replaced, and that gentleman has moved on as well, and he's been replaced. But my understanding is there's a skeleton staff there right now, and FDLE is overwhelmed with – actually working the border in Texas, um, among other things. So uh, it looks like we're definitely on the back burner and uh, nothing's going to be done moving forward now that um, so many of these uh, ineligible voters have gotten the message that they potentially could be prosecuted. Keep in mind the uh, 20 arrests that took place under DeSantis' watch were all in the blue counties of Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach, Orange, and Hillsborough counties. So that message was delivered loud and clear. Of course, there's a federal lawsuit now trying to um, open these things up again. The uh, untold story is really the the, uh, third-party voter registration organizations. They got paid handsomely to register voters before the 2020 election, and they they made off uh, like bandits. In fact, the head of one of the organizations is living in a $3.5 million mansion in Windermere, Florida. And uh, keep in mind, too, that our supervisor of elections was the recipient of a $707,000 grant from the Zuckerbergs uh, based on election safety before the 2020 election. In fact, she got so much money she couldn't even spend it all, and she had to return about $207,000 of that. So there was a lot of um, money involved. There was a lot of um, influence. There was a lot of uh, um, international money from George Soros that came into the state of Florida because people forget that in 2020, Florida was the number one swing state in the country with 29 electoral votes. We were considered purple and very wettable by uh, President uh, uh, current President Biden at the time. So it was all hands on deck in Florida to, to win that state. Of course, they pulled it off without winning. Uh, winning the state of Florida. But keep in mind that Donald Trump won Pennsylvania and Georgia, which were lost by an eyelash. He would have had 35 more, uh, excuse me, 36 more electoral votes and would have won the uh, presidency based on the electoral college. So they use the same blueprint that we've discovered here in Florida to um, uh, change the outcome of the elections in Georgia and Pennsylvania, I'm convinced. And to this day, no one's able been able to articulate that story. In case you're just tuning in, uh, I'm with uh, Mark Glazer here by phone. And we're telling the tale, and it's pretty complicated. I'll try to break it into chapters for you as we go. Mark does a very good job of narrating it. We have the first installment, the first uh, serialization, if you will, of this tale by um, the investigation into our local jail, which was um, an effort to, quote-unquote, outreach effort to get everybody to vote, financed by Zuckerberg, uh, uh, 
with private money. This is the issue that we haven't even brought up yet. Private money in a public election was used to finance this, what turned out to be an organized criminal, if there's no other way to talk about it, endeavor. Because if we had not discovered it, well, nobody would have discovered it. Nobody would have ever looked. And this is one of the things that's tangential to this, is if you have a supervisor of elections, what in the world is she supervising? Is she not supervising the integrity of the election? Well, in this case, she's actually participating in the corruption of the election. Now, she can claim she didn't know, but what excuse is that? You didn't know what STOP on the red sign meant stop? We've been asked a lot of times about this. Why isn't she in the jug too? Even the defendants have asked this. I did what I was advised to do by an official of the election process. One of the defendants said, at least one, and it went nowhere. So what troubles us is they're even more emboldened, if you will, by they, I mean, the Kim Bartons of the world who are in Georgia and Pennsylvania, and a lot of whom are minority supervisors. Not all, but quite a number. And they are all wrapped up in extended voting, early voting, um, all the above, anything but accountable voting. So we're just at the beginning of this story and have been frustrated in so many ways along the path. So now we get this packaged up and then we go to DeSantis. That stumbles around. And meanwhile, he kind of gets off on his own election bid. Um, uh, then, of course, uh, we have the whole issue of um, where do we go from here? And I'm going to let Mark pick it back up because we've got an election coming up right around the corner. Mark, have any th- has anything changed that we can put our finger on up to this point with just the um, current local scene? Yes, uh, many things have changed. First of all, I mean, that summarization there was 100% accurate and could not be stated any better. Uh, so, um, you know, it's hard, it's hard to expand upon that. The changes that have taken place in Florida are quite remarkable in that uh, there will be no more Zuckerbucks in Florida, uh, first and foremost. Most, you know, most of that money that came into the state went to the blue counties. So it was very much earmarked for the uh, Democrat uh, propensity for Democrat voters. So that, that's first and foremost. That was done to the tune of $450 million throughout the country, primarily in swing states, uh, including Florida. So that's first and foremost. No more Zuckerbucks by law. Uh, there will be no more uh, ballot harvesting by law. Voter rolls have dropped significantly based on attrition, uh, people not voting who are not eligible to vote, um, uh, the fact that now you have to actually um, re- request a mail ballot uh, annually, and so a lot of those mail ballots, won't, this mass mail ballot won't go out. So the trifecta of COVID uh, mail ballots, soccer box, definitely turned the tide of the election uh, nationwide. But that, none of that's going to take place in the state of Florida. There's not going to be COVID that we know of. Uh, the mass mail ballots are pretty much uh, 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 taken care of. 
um, uh, the vote by mail. Um, what was the third? COVID vote by mail and Zuckerberg. So those those three things are, are you know gone. And with number of ineligible voters that have now been purged from the voter rolls, thanks in large part to our work and and alerting um, these supervisors around the state. Uh, you're going to see, a, a, you've already seen the shift. You saw that uh, DeSantis won by 20 percentage points in 2022. So you're going to see that continue on. Uh, the number of registered Republicans in the state of Florida absolutely swell and overtake the number of registered Democrats. That's 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 no surprise. That's 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 um, a side effect of what we've been working on. We are letting the ineligible voters know that if they vote illegally, there is a chance they will be prosecuted. And if they're prosecuted, there's a chance they will either be on probation or go to prison. And that's what's taking place here in Alachua County. We lead this, the state and we lead the nation in terms of voter fraud convictions per capita. And it's unfortunate that these inmates had to take the brunt of that when actually the crime was facilitated by their very own supervisor elections who, through emails that we paid for, we know for a fact that she was well aware of what she was doing, and so was her outreach director. That's why he was pleading the Fifth Amendment when FDLE knocked on his front door, and that's why he resigned effective almost immediately when the story came out in June of 2021. So we've had marvelous success here in the state of Florida. We need to replicate that throughout the other states. We're going to decide the outcome of the 2024 election, and that would include Georgia, uh, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Wisconsin, just to name those four. And if he gets 35, 36 of those electoral votes to swing, it's it's a done deal. Uh, the Republicans are not going to win California, and the Democrats are not going to win Florida. And so those are out of play. There's about four to six states that are actually in play, and that's what's critical right now, and that's what people are working on, to have the same results in Pennsylvania that we, ha- we have now in Florida. So we're, we're much better off. We're about 98, 99% better off in 2024 than we were in 2020. Actually going to see less felons vote in 2024 than in 2018. After Amendment 4 was passed, where lion's share of them were restored their civil rights to the right to vote because of this um, blowback, this pushback based on this knowledge of I might be arrested, I might be convicted for voting illegally in the state of Florida. Not made things better for the felons, they have made things worse. But that's where we are now. It's unfortunate. I really would like to see. The people who are responsible for this, the people with deep pockets like Mark Zuckerberg and his wife Priscilla, and people like our current supervisor of elections, responsibility pay some type of penalty. Okay, we lost him there. We lost you on that one, Mark. Um, What I think we're going to have to do, really, is... um, I'm going to talk production about this. Production, can we get him the Zoom link and let him come in audio? Um, at break, yeah, at break, let's do that. Mark, at break, we're going to send you the Zoom link. Have you come in on audio? Okay. On Zoom, okay? Um, yes, sir. All right. and we'll, we'll hang out here a minute or two more. Uh, we're talking with Mark on phone right now. We're going to change that out in a little bit because we're uh, going in and out. And this is such important stuff. I don't want anybody to lose this because – uh, we faded on you for a second. Uh, this is uh, absolutely 
I haven't heard it anywhere else in the country. And uh, we've just uh, uh, we terminated the uh, our, our uh, phone line right now. We're going to set up our Zoom link. I'll probably set it up during our break here. I'll talk for a moment and uh, summarize as best I can. There was a lot of hanky-panky, if you want to use that term, um, that went on in the election that got Biden elected. A lot of it was done under the cover of COVID. You know, you couldn't vote, so we got to have some way to get people to vote. And we ended up making the vote much more difficult to um, be accountable. As Ken Hillier says in Georgia, if they had done signature verification there instead of recounting, it would have been a different story. Generally, what we've had to do is drag these people whose job it is to verify the authenticity of voting, kicking and screaming to do their job. And to the extent that we're just a one-man band, and we want to thank, I want to take time out right now, and thank all of you who donated money to our cause to get these records, which we were charged for. One of the ways in which government tries to cover itself is to make the acquisition of that which they've got prohibitive to the average man or woman. And uh, we try to bust through that. And sometimes they try to jerk us around. But we're persistent, know what we're doing. I know how to travel data banks. I know when sm- something smells like a rat. So we've learned to do this. And we thank you for helping us. A couple of you who really help us. Um, that's the story right now going into our bottom of the hour break, uh, which I'm going to do the weather. And we'll bring Mark back in on a Zoom link on audio. I think that's the plan. But we're going to keep it till we get it so you can hear everything we're saying, uh, because this is extremely important. I would like for you all to take the show and send it around your uh, email chain, because this is absolutely essential that these elections be run fairly and honestly and openly. And to the extent that we'll watchdog it, we'll do it. But people need to be aware of the fact that they need to put pressure on their supervisors of elections as well. I mean, that's what they were elected for. And I got, I got to tell you, I'm very disappointed in that office. You know, that tends to be an automatic renewal for a job forever if you just show up for work. That's not right. But they've never had any way of being tested to see if what they were doing was right. And now we've got it. We've got it with a number of questions we can ask. And that is, you know, do you know who's responsible for that ballot? Generally, they don't. Deliberately, because that's one of the things that's sacrosanct. You can't be known how you voted. But can you establish in any way the fact that that vote should be counted, that it was honestly cast, and that it should be counted? 
That's a real crux of the matter here. We're going to break for the weather in a moment. When we come back, hopefully we'll be hooked up again. Uh, Ward Scott on the Ward Scott Files. Stay tuned. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. The Kiara Grace Foundation proudly presents An Evening with Tim Tebow, Thursday, November 30th at the Touchdown Terrace at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Experience a once-in-a-lifetime VIP meet-and-greet with Tim. Hear his heartfelt stories and his unyielding dedication to the most vulnerable. With your support, we can extend the reach of the Kiara Grace Foundation to save precious lives in Latin America. Get your ticket before they sell out. Don't miss your chance to meet Tim Tebow, be inspired, and make a tangible difference. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com. And click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Word Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, Ward's weather here by Golly Web's Weather Report. And it is nippy, brought to you by Chevron Oil, Wendell Lewis, Fossil Fuel, 45 Welcome, degrees. Host. You are now in the host room and can manage your... 45 degrees here right now, my good friends. Ye gods. And it's going to get down into frosty weather tonight, my good friends. 
I know Plantation Marsh got it worse, but he's farther north. And uh, Frost is going to, of course, nip in the bud, if you will, literally any new grass growing. So we'll be hauling hay probably till spring. Oh, boy, get ready. Uh, They can eat a roll down in no time flat. So it is going to be a cold day in the south here. And let me see what we're going to get tonight. 33 degrees, my friends, right outside the Warthog Command Center. Can you believe it? Plantation Mark said he's looking at 17. So get ready, my friends. We are back on the phone line presently with Mark. Um, There are too many people around any computer he can get to, so he doesn't want to do it. Bear with us as we go in and out um, with the line, with the phone. Uh, My personal opinion uh, is that it's Mark's phone. His opinion is the cell tower. So we're in kind of a standoff on that. But do the best you can, okay? Uh, Mark, are you back with us? Welcome, host. You are now in the host room and can manage your callers from the call-in studio web interface. Let's see if we're getting back here. Call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Mark Glazer. Is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Um, Zach? Zach? Give my mic a minute. I'm going to call him. Okay, Mike. Okay, my mic's hot with that. All right, we're trying to get the glitches out here. We're doing the best we can. Uh, we've got our good buddy uh, Mark back on here. Make sure all my cameras and everything are going. And uh, Mark, I was just saying, you better light a fire tonight. It's going down to 33, good buddy. Yeah, it's just going to be a chilly hill, not windy hill after tonight, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we're worried, my man. We came up to the spot, and as you drifted away, I summarized how important it is that people share this story because if pressure is not kept on these supervisors, my experience with them is they're pretty pitiful. Uh, They only do the minimum of what is expected. Uh, They don't really want to look for, I mean, get me, if I'm wrong, you know, I'm just wrong. I'm never wrong. You know that. But um, people got to put the pressure on them. Is there anything new you were mentioning as we went on our break that's going to change the uh, 
We said we cut out the Zucker books. How about the actual authenticity of the vote? Are we still in la-la land on that? Yeah, I think the, really the biggest issue is uh, signature verification. I don't know when there we you decided go. that people getting people getting paid, you know, $12 an hour were suddenly signature experts and were able to verify that that's your signature or not. Um, the, you know, the vast uh, number of uh, mail-in ballots, quote-unquote absentee ballots, it's one thing to mail them in, it's another thing to drop them by the by the tonnage into a, a drop box. Ah, and so, ah. you know, ver- verifying these signatures is just, it's just ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. And so I don't know what the solution is to that, but Florida's in very good shape. There's still going to be uh, that uh, bit of fraud that takes place, just like it did um, previous to 2020. But a lot of it has been rooted out uh, based on the ballot harvesting, the um, the uh, Zuckerbucks not being allowed into. It was just mind-numbing that a, that a, a citizen could pour hundreds of millions of dollars into the coffers of, of heavily Democrat supervisors of elections. If, if that's not the most obvious tell in the world of what they were trying to do, drive out the Democrat vote. It's just, it is absolutely criminal what took place in our, in our country uh, leading up to 2020. And uh, it's, there is a silver lining. It's good news, bad news. Uh, the bad news is they drug their feet with our investigation for three years. The good news is we're about to be catapulted into 2024. We're only 11 months out from the general election in 2024. We're even closer to the primary, and we've got caucuses and um, primaries coming up in uh, New Hampshire and Iowa in January. So it's, it's upon us. And so uh, now is a really good time to expose a lot of the fraud that took place in the state of Florida in the 2020 election and say, hey, Florida, Florida basically was won by the Republicans by enough votes not to question the outcome. But if you look at that same blueprint that took place here, Zuckerbucks, mail ballots under the guise of COVID and safety, and if you look at that in Pennsylvania and Georgia alone, you can see that that can change the outcome of the election. The other thing I'll point to is the Bush-Gore election in 2000 was decided by eight votes per Florida county. So Lord help us if we have another election that's that close in, in any state in the country. And as you well know, Ward, there was an election in Louisiana recently that was decided by one vote. So one every vote, vote should, yeah, one, every vote should count as one vote, not diluted by someone's ineligible vote, whatever the ineligibility may be, whether it's me voting for you, hijacking your mail ballot, or if I'm if I'm not a citizen of the state of Florida or a citizen of the United States of America, um, and so on and so forth, or if I'm ineligible based on being a convicted murderer or a rapist in the state of Florida. So those are the laws, those are the statutes, and if it wasn't for us, would have gone all gone under the rug. No one would be the wiser. Um, and meanwhile, uh, Kim Barton herself is on the ballot in 2024. So get ready for a uh, blockbuster election. Uh, all eyes uh, are on these mail ballots, and uh, we need poll watchers, and we need people like Judith Jensen out in High Springs, uh, who's actually running for supervisor elections in our county. And we need people to run for state attorney. And these other offices where we 
as as you know firsthand, Ward, we know about the corruption that's taking place at the state attorney's office and at the supervisor of elections office. And so all we have to do is get the word out and get a uh, a legitimate candidate on the ballot to oppose them, and maybe we can start to turn the tide here because before you can turn the train around, you've got to slow it down, and that's what we're doing now. That's a good point. We believe that every office should be contested. And the, the uh, current state attorney uh, was not a contested office. Um, Correct. Barton has not been a contested office. Um, Correct. We need to have somebody step up and take it in a different direction because the state attorney, I doubt, would have been involved at all if you and I had not marched into that office and sat down and made a point. Do you agree with that? I mean, even having the state house representative with us possibly turn, you know, turn the tide there because, um, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years and getting people to do their jobs is, is the hardest thing I run into. And so getting him to actually take action and pay attention, um, you know, and then follow through on these 10, well, 12 convictions, if you count the two sex offenders in our county. So we're, we're, we're making strides, I guess is the way to put it. And, um, even with single member districts now being um, available to the voters in, in our county. So there are some positive things that are going on. Uh, the most important thing is to get the court of public opinion to understand that the corruption is there. It's thick. We're in the lake of the stupids, as somebody coined. <laughs> um, we have got somehow slow this train down and get it turned around on the tracks because it's, it's not going our way. And so we're optimistic, um, cautiously optimistic that things are improving. Um, we've got the toughest climb probably of any county in the state of Florida. And so I look forward to the challenge. And, I, you know, I appreciate the fact that you've been there with me, Ward, every step of the way, literally, not just figuratively, but literally walked into the state attorney's office multiple times on a wrongful conviction case twice on this case other cases you've always been there for me and I'll, I'll never be able to <laughs> thank you enough for what you've done for me and our community because no one will understand the time and energy that you've expended on on these very important issues and they're just going to be more important as time marches on i mean look at the results of the election we're basically have two wars going on right now based simply on the fact that the presidential election was decided you know by an eyelash in two states it's consequences of what we're working to correct. And I'm not saying you have to vote the way we do, but if we can that needle just a few points one way or the other, then we can make positive change. And just to let everybody know about this, um, we do take a look at the city of Gainesville. And um, maybe we'll segue over to that for a moment um, and just talk briefly. Uh, we usually don't get involved in municipal government behavior um, because it's their bailiwick. Uh, Newberry's Newberry, Alachua's Alachua, uh, High Springs, High Springs. But when you get in the city of Gainesville, you're getting into utilities. And um, that's a different story because there are a lot of people who are disenfranchised. They don't have a voice in how the money they pay to the utilities is being used because they're not represented. Is there anything there that you want to share 
um, at all, Mark, that uh, might be relevant, to, germane to election well, like to responsibility? Two points. Uh, first and foremost, you know, with the GRU Authority Board, we have to keep a close eye on that. Now they've uh, had draconian uh, ad valorem tax rates hike in the city of um, Could you repeat that? That, that? that didn't come through. Could you repeat that, please? Okay, so uh, the ad valorem taxes in the city of Gainesville have gone up tremendously. 29%. On the transfer. Yeah. So um, they've already felt the brunt, and so now where's the benefit? So the GRE rate payer should Know, the transfer to the city and the to the tune of you know over thirty million dollars a year is going to come to a grinding halt. So we we're putting a lot of trust in the you know the Carters and the um, James Coates of the world to um, help us um, understand that you know utility rates are unsustainable and unaffordable to the average person in the city of Gainesville. We have the most impoverished county in the state of Florida, and a lot of that has to do with our utility rates. So we would expect some kind of relief from that. And for those of us that don't pay ad valorem taxes in the city of Gainesville, um, God bless you if you do. I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Um, you know, you've got an election coming up too, so take care of business. Um, the other thing we want to keep a really close eye on more is what I call Riker House 2.0, and that is this palm um, breeze that's taking over the uh, location of the Riker House with a quote-unquote new mission. Um, Looks like they're shifting their funding source, not just from the city of Gainesville, but also from possibly the school board. And that becomes a county. And as you know, the the new leader of this organization is none other than our uh, illustrious chief uh, investigator for the state attorney's office, Barry Lloyd, who, without question, absolutely 100% lied to me about a wrongful conviction. Uh, say that again. We lost you. It's important. Say it again, please. Okay. So, Aaron Lloyd is now running the going to be running Riker House 2.0, and he's someone to keep a very close eye on because he has already proven to us, to me individually, that he is not trustworthy and that he is part of the corruption that's taking place at the state attorney's office. So we're going to have to follow the money over there. That has to do with Riker House. Now it's going to be. Breeze or something like that, but Derry Lloyd is the, uh, the and all the financials there. So it's it's a you know another case to follow the money. Um, apparently, you know the taxpayers are made out of money, and there's some kind of you know bottomless pit. So again, we're going to be paying uh, enormous amounts of hard-earned cash in order to elevate the administrators of these programs, and that's what's taking place. They're getting paid a ridiculous amount of money with no accountability. Another good example, not with the city of Gainesville, with the county, is the Alachua Children's Trust. People don't know that they are purchasing a $2 million commercial building on Northwest 43rd Street. Some various things will be... I'm bringing that to your listeners over the next, the course of the next month, probably into the into January of next year, and so we are keeping a very close eye on their real estate transactions. Uh, don't forget the, that uh, Commissioner Ken Cornell is the treasurer for the Children's Trust, so it's a very much uh, hand in glove kind of move on their part. If you want to uh, do a fun exercise, look at your ad valorem tax bill on your property taxes 
look at how much you're paying into the Children's Trust this year. It'll blow your mind. And so we are carving out huge amounts of money for that organization, quote-unquote nonprofit, which, again, the administrators uh, make enormous amounts of money, all for the betterment of the children. Okay, who would be against that, right? But do they really need a $2 million commercial office complex when they're operating now out of the CRA building on Southwest Fifth Avenue? I think not. It's absolutely ludicrous that they are willing to spend that amount of taxpayer money on a commercial office complex all under the radar. And we have more to report on that in the coming weeks and months. Tell me, Mark Glazer here, about two projects, if you will, that are being held by the investigator in a very suspicious light. One, of course, is the Reichert House, which I've never, ever sensed was fully audited well or for which there was any kind of responsible accountability about the dollars or even what was accomplished there. Uh, And now we have uh, the Children's Trust, which is another who could be against kind of project and therefore becomes ripe, if you will, to be mismanaged. Let's put it that way. To be managed less than precisely when there's so much money just thrown at it. When you get that much money, you tend to get sloppy. Uh, Is there anything else that fits into those two categories? Because I know that those two are biggie that you're looking at right now, Mark. Yeah, those those are first and foremost on our radar. And I say this as a as a a father who had a son who was a graduate of Record House. I don't know, so I'm very much familiar with the internal workings of their program. And to come, you know, to come forward with this new 2.0, you know, with the new mission, Record House 2.0. It's a way to get money with no accountability. I raised a family for of these schemes. I understand and know what's going on in the schools, the public schools, with the Reichert House, right on down the line with the bail bondsman on Waldo Road, right down to the county. I understand it early inside and out. I saw it firsthand. Away. I mean, how many shootings did we have over the weekend, Ward? I, I lost track, okay? Can't hear you, Mark. Got to, got, got to get you in a clearer area. Can't hear you there. What was it again? So how many shootings do you, did we have over the weekend, Ward? So if if you think this is an East Gainesville problem, you're you're mistaken. No, it's not East Gainesville. Gainesville. It's all over the place. Yeah. Correct. And it's, it, all, it's all about culture. Yeah. And to throw money at Derry Lloyd to fix the problem is not going to work. The gun buybacks are not going to work. Okay. Riker House won't have Riker House won't have any effect whatsoever on crime in the city. Period. Drop in the bucket, and there'll be a lack of accountability for all those phones. But the good news is um, this has caught the attention of some very high people in law enforcement. So we're working with them to get to the accountability portion of this because it's taxpayer money and we deserve some accounting, some audit of what's going on. No different than the, uh, the, the P cards, the purchase cards used by the city of Gainesville, where we exposed the butt lift bandit 
um, getting $100,000 of the taxpayer's money and getting a Brazilian butt lift with it. Unfortunately, they pushed her into her literal rope to the point where she hung herself in a motel room before she came back and faced a seven-year prison sentence. This is what's taking place in our community, and the people that allow this literally have blood on their hands. Absolutely unacceptable what's taking place in the city of Gainesville with that crew that's on that commission. They are so blinded by their liberalism, which is just a, a code word for expensive, costly, uh, you know, programs on their part. And people like Debbie Martinez are one of the few that have caught on and have figured this stuff out and are calling them out on a daily basis. So God bless Debbie Martinez. She is hitting the, the nail on the head. We have uh, open-air um, alcohol. We have uh, judges like Judge Green who all but give you a certificate you come to his courtroom. And it just goes on and on and on. Then you've got the bail bonds industry, which is 100% corrupt. You have uh, convicted felons, uh, drug traffickers, sex offenders getting out on these enormous bails and getting public defenders. It makes no sense other than it is 100% corruption. And it's taking place right in front of us. And we're seeing the effects of it on the streets of Gainesville. Well said, quite a mouthful. And it's not going to get any better. We have got, how, how can I say this and be polite? I don't know if I can say it and be polite. Uh, we have got a, um, a um, emasculated police force for GPD. We have got, and we're looking into this, I, I guess we might as well say it, suspicious behavior on the part of the state attorney over the previous sheriff who just resigned. Would you, would you say that's fair, Mark? Yes, sir. We're looking at that. There's a lot more there than has been told. And it's not good. And meanwhile, crime's getting worse. And Yeah, there's basically a closet full of shoes about to drop. <laughs> right. I don't know how else to put it. it, it it's coming and it's going to, it's going to come, it's going to come fast and there's no bad time. So they can drag their feet all they want, but it's just a matter of time. And as, as we've said over the years, that is the magic ingredient to what we do. Patience and documentation. Time will always win out. We'll win the court of public opinion. We'll move the needle and we'll, will make this a better place. But in the meantime, you better prepare yourself because we are living in some quite unsafe conditions uh, in our community. So the best thing to do is man up, arm up, and hunker down because it's going to get worse, just like you said before. Well, we've been talking on the phone. We apologize for the uh, in and out of uh, the phone, but you, I think you can hear it. Uh, we ask you to share it. We're going to put it out um uh, of course, uh, on various platforms already, and occasionally we'll have these summations. Uh, we've been summing up here towards the end of the show two or three things that concern us, Rikert House, Children's Trust, uh, as well as State Attorney's Office, and the crime rate. So uh, we don't know where all it's going to take us, but we're going to stay after it and take a look at it and try to bring you back 
um, with your help, if we need to get public records and things, uh, we'll be reaching out to you all. And hopefully we will get the truth. That's all we're trying to get. And I think Mark has done a pretty good job about it with voting. The truth is we have a very porous system that is uh, really not completely cleaned up, might never be completely cleaned up. We've made some inroads on it. Uh, we'll continue to monitor it, try to keep it uh, under watchful eye, and uh, hope for the best. We alluded to a couple of places where, and Mark knows it better than I, states that could be no better than they were before. Uh, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, places like this. It could be no better. There's nobody there to make it better. And it's the state responsibility. So if you got a state that doesn't want to be responsible, um, good luck. Have I got that right, Mark? You're spot on again, Mark, 100%. Well, since I'm spot on, right. we better quit at that, right, sir? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Mark, thank you so much for, for having me on, and not just today, but always. And if your listeners could just do one thing, and that is spread the word, because word of mouth is uh, is tough to beat. And uh, so let's get that, that public opinion on our side and get this information out there to your friends and your neighbors. Thank and we'll you, keep Lord. digging for you on your behalf. Thanks a lot, Mark. Uh, good to hear from you all. Thank you, uh, we'll talk. And uh, thanks so much for all of you who are uh, watching the show, listening to the show. It's, um, it is what it is. Uh, we're the only show in town that's doing this, and um, we stay after it. We are only have your trust uh, to believe in. We try to be very responsible, very cautious, uh, very conservative. But if we say something, you can probably be assured uh, it means something. So have a great day. We'll have Ted Yo tomorrow. Uh, stay warm tonight. Build a fire. Be the first one, perhaps, this winter. And it's not winter yet, even. Warthog Command Center out.